Good morning, everyone. Thank you for being here today. I'm Abby Lundberg, and I'm a part of CamCC's high school ministry. Today is youth takeover. That means that our youth will be doing all of the welcoming and the greeting and hospitality and worship. I'm so excited that you are all here today. Now let's pray. Dear Jesus, I just want to thank you for providing us with this space. I want to thank you for our worship team that's going to lead us in worship that will praise you. I want to thank you for Zach being here, and I pray that you speak through Zach and get into all the hearts of the people in this room and the people online. I want to thank you for this day, and I want to thank you for all that you do for us. And dear Jesus, we pray. Amen.
See this praise and rabbit shines right off my 
everybody. I am Zach Lawler. I am the lead youth pastor here at Camarillo Community Church. I'm also one of the teaching pastors here at this church. I'm just so honored to be here with you guys. I'm so proud to show off our high school worship band. Can I get a round of applause for them? Oh, so good. Like week in and week out. Did you guys know that that was the kind of worship our students were getting every week, right? And we're getting it for free, suckers, right? Um, so good. Love our worship team. Uh, honestly, sometimes, have you guys ever looked at, like, the gifts the Holy Spirit dished out and wonder why you were shortchanged a little bit? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, like, they can sing, dance, play instruments, and I can stack chairs. It's all good, though. <laughs> I'm just really proud of what they're doing. Um, Today is a very special day, you guys, not just because um, it's Youth Takeover Day. Can I hear my high school students in the room? Yeah. What's up? Um, not just because it's Youth Takeover Day, also because today is the last week of 1 Corinthians. Can I get an amen? Like, um, we're moving on. Someone in the middle is excited. All right. I won't tell Dave. Now, uh, today I want, I want to start with a question. Can you guys remember a time in your life when you were forced to stand your ground? Do you guys remember a time in your life where you were forced to like draw a line in the sand and say, I am not going to retreat, I'm not going to back up? How about this? Have you ever been put in a position where you had to choose to flee or fight? Have you guys ever been put in one of those positions? And I was just thinking about this. Um, like, for example, if a fire broke out, do you ever wonder if you would be the kind of person that would like break out a window and start shoving old ladies and babies out of the window and kittens and puppies? Or if you would run out of like George Costanza on Steinfeld, like knocking old people over, right? Like who would you be? How about this? If there was a ship sinking, right? Uh, what kind of person would you be on the ship? Would you, would you make sure all the women and children got on board before you got off? You know, would you be the last man down on the ship playing the violin, so to speak? Or would you be the kind of guy that would shove the kid out of the way and be like, look out, little Billy, dad's got to survive, right? Like, what kind of person would you be? And, and I think the truth of that question is we never really know until we're put in a position where we have to find out. Does it make sense, you guys? Like, you never really know what kind of husband, father, mother, believer you are until you're put in a position where you are forced to answer that question. And things get even more complicated for dads. Why? Because what's our job as a dad, right? We have to be the hero, right? You can't be the kind of dad that would shove your kids overboard and jump in the life raft, right? It, it just doesn't work. We as dads, we like to believe we're superheroes, right? We just never want to be used as a superhero, <laughs> you know? Um, and I was thinking about this. I, as a dad, was actually put in a position several years ago when I was a younger father, when my kids were younger, where I, I had to answer this question. And I can tell you, if the same scenario happened now, I would shove my 16-year-old boy in the way because he's bigger and stronger, and I don't really like him, okay? But um, I'm, I'm joking. Are you here? I love you. Daddy loves you. That was awkward. All right, so um, I, I've always, like wondered how it would work out for me in these situations. But in this situation, I was forced to act. So my uh, son Tyler was about seven, and Sean was about five. And, and we're getting out of our vehicle. We're walking to our front door. And as we are almost at the front door, this big, giant German shepherd steps out in front of us. And uh, it's mean and ugly looking, okay? And, and, I, and whenever I encounter a big, scary dog, I always do the vibe check. You guys know what the vibe check is? Who's a good boy? who's a good boy? Well, he wasn't a good boy, okay? And, and he did not like that at all, not one bit. And he bares his teeth and he lunges at me and the boys, okay? And, and, and I instinctively, you know, had every bit of ghetto come out of me, you know? And I was like, not today, right? No, 
get back. And I stomped at it, right? And I'm pretty intimidating, right? So he backed up, you know, and, and he quieted down. And, and I took that moment to just grab my little babies and run for the front door as fast as I could. And I shoved them in front of me at, at the door. And I'm, I got my boys pinned against the door. And I'm frantically working for my keys. And I could hear the dog coming, barking and snarling again. And I'm like, I'm going to lose my gluteus maximus, right? But it's the strongest part of me, so I just waved it out there, you know? And, and I unlocked the door, and I shoved the kids inside, and, I, and as I'm closing the door, I just see the dog coming at me with everything he had, and I just slammed the door right, right in his face, you know? Um, don't feel guilty either. And um, I just realized I had this moment where it was either fight or flight, and for some reason or another, my instincts kicked in, and I was the kind of dad I was supposed to be. But as Christians, I was wondering, do we ever come to a point where we're asked to stand for something? Like, as believers, do we reach a point in our faith where we're called to stand our ground? And how about this? What, what kind of decisions would we make in those positions? And And as a matter of fact, I think our text is going to answer one question very well. It's this, as Christians, what are we called to stand for? And I want to form this in the the way of a command. As Christians, we are called to stand for our faith. We are called to stand for what we claim to believe in. But before we jump into the text, will you guys please pray with me? God, just be with us today. Bless us. Open our ears and our hearts to what you have to say. If we need to be convicted, Lord, convict us. If, if we need to be corrected, Lord, correct us. If we need to be encouraged, Lord, give us encouragement, God. And if we need to receive love like we always do, Lord, fill our hearts with your love. It's in your name I pray. Amen. All right. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians, last chapter. We're finishing this puppy up today. We'll be in 1 Corinthians 16. And we're going to start with verse 13 of chapter 16. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like what? Like what? I heard more women than men. That was weird. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. And this is an amazing little passage, and I'm going to stop there. And you guys might be thinking, Zach, did you just stop that for two verses? We don't do that here. Yeah, okay, I did. I stopped for two reasons. Number one, there is a ton in this short little passage. Secondly, it's going to take a right turn here in a minute, and they don't connect. So we need to just flush this out a little bit. Now, I want to read those words again. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. What does that sound like to you guys? Anybody? I'll wait. No, I'm joking. Um, you know what? To me, it sounds like kind of like a battle cry. Do you, guys, do you guys get this? It sounds like something that would be said to somebody on their way into a conflict or war. It sounds like military talk. You know how I know this? Because I was in the military. I heard the same things in boot camp. I heard the same things in the service. They called us to be diligent in our watch. They called us to, to be ready for action, to hold our ground in conflict. They called us to never surrender or back up. And they called us to constantly be strong, men and women even if others around us are weak. This is military talk, you guys. And I want to tell you guys this right now. This is not like a suggestion from Paul. This is not a request from the Apostle Apostle Paul. This is a command. This is a command. The first thing he starts with is be watchful. Be watchful. In the Greek, this is better translated almost to be alert or be on your guard or stand guard. And have you guys, raise your hand if you've ever stood guard somewhere before. 
All right. Hey, you guys, if you know if you've been on guard, can one person stand guard 24-7? Heck no. Like four hours of watch is exhausting. It's exhausting to be constantly alert. Paul is talking in the, the plural sense. As a body, as a group of believers, we need to stand watch together. This is something we understood in the military. We would do what was called duty rotations, and we would stand four hours of watch at a time, constantly having somebody caffeinated up there on the bridge ready to go, okay? And I actually started my caffeine addiction in the military. Thanks, Coast Guard, right? And, and we would be alert and on watch 24-7, someone was ready to go. Maybe in the Navy they do longer watches because you guys keep falling asleep and running into stuff. But in the Coast Guard, we were ready, okay? And, and this is what Paul is saying. Be on watch as a body 24-7. Well, you guys might be wondering, what are we on watch for? What are we looking out for? His next words give us the idea. He says, stand firm in the faith. Stand planted in the faith, stand the ground you're on, hold firm. And what are we holding firm in the faith? What about the faith? We need a little context. What has Paul been talking about the whole book of 1 Corinthians? He's been fighting false doctrine, false teachers, false belief, and sin. So what is Paul saying here? Stand firm against what brings about spiritual death in your lives and the lives of people you love. What brings about spiritual death, you guys? false belief in who Jesus was, what he did, and his resurrection. And Paul's been attacking that the whole time. So what is Paul saying? He's saying, hold your ground, be on watch, stand firm against what might call, cause you to fall into spiritual death. There's a, a Christian theologian who once said this, we should not consider every point of doctrine open to question. We should not consider every point of doctrine open to question. What is he saying? There's some things we can debate. There's some things we can question within our faith. There's some things we can wrestle over as brothers and sisters in Christ. But there are some things we don't debate. There's some things we do will not back off of. There's some things that we are forced to hold the ground on. And those are beliefs about Jesus, the resurrection, what he did, what he's doing, who he did it for, right? These are all essential to what we believe. If we have no resurrection, we have no faith. He calls us to hold the ground on these things. And, and I was picturing this, uh, and I remember as a kid, I would, uh, I would go fishing with my dad frequently. It was one of the favorite things I, I got to do. And we would go into a river called the Truckee River. Have you guys heard of the Truckee River? Um, the Truckee River is no stream or creek, you guys. The Truckee River is a legitimate body of water that's moving. And, and we would go fishing in the Truckee River for brown trout, rainbow trout, whatever. And, and the big thing was you needed to get to the middle of the stream to fish into the deep pools. Okay, and my dad always impressed me because my dad would be carrying like a cooler under one arm full of Budweiser, three fishing poles, smoke in his mouth, right, and, and everything in his arms. My job as a child, I had to carry nothing. My only job was to make it to the middle of the river without dying, okay? And, and uh, one day, my dad's got everything in his hands, coolers, fishing poles, cigarettes, a bunch of Budweiser, right? And he's fighting his way to the middle. He makes it to the rock. It's my turn to come out. I'm coming across the river with nothing in my hands, and the current is stronger, faster, and deeper than I've ever seen it. Next thing I know, my feet are out from underneath me, and I'm headed downstream, desperately struggling to get my head above water. And, and I'm going down, and I'm clutching for every rock I can grasp, and I just can't get above the water. And just as I'm about to start breathing in dirty river water, I feel something stop me dead in my tracks. 
And whatever it is pulls me straight out of the water and sets me up on a rock. And I look back, and, and there's my dad. He, he's soaking wet. He's breathing desperately to catch his breath. And he still has a half-lit cigarette in his mouth. That's a man right there. And <laughs> It's a man. And, and um, uh, he puts me up on the rock, and, and we're both relieved. And I, I look downstream, and I see our fishing poles, our tackle boxes, and my dad's Budweiser heading downstream. And I realized something in that moment. My dad dropped everything. He dropped everything to hold his ground and make sure I was okay. That was his job as a father, right? He even dropped his Budweiser. That's a big deal, okay? Daddy does love me, all right? And he saved me. And this was the job of my father. It was his job to hold the line. It was his job to stand his ground. It was his job to make sure I was safe. And I think the biggest reason he saved me is he didn't want to have to face my mom when he got home, okay? But I want to finish up this section here with, with what he said. He said, act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. And of course, we have to do everything we're doing in love as men because we can become quite calculated, quite harsh, quite rough if we're not focusing on doing everything we're doing in love. But you guys should know if you have the NIV, what did it take out? It removed act like men. And it replaced it with be courageous. And I don't know why they decided to pull it out in some translations, but in the ESV, the one we read in this church, it uses the the phrase of a second person plural form of a man, which is men. And Paul says, act like men. And I have a question for the body of Christ today. Is it possible that Paul was addressing the men in the room at this point? Is it possible that Paul was saying, men, fathers, husbands, be strong, act mature, be courageous, hold the line for your family, hold the faith, don't back down. And I was thinking, look, that brings us back to our point. Stand firm in your faith. And, and, and I don't really get the opportunity to do this very often, but I thought I might just address the men in the room. Husbands, fathers, grandpa, are we living up to what Paul commanded us to do in this passage? Men, are we holding our ground? Are we standing firm? Are we fighting for our families? Like, are we being vigilant? Are we standing guard for our family's spiritual health? Or are we being drugged to church reluctantly by our wives? Are we acting like mature men? Are we running after, after youthful sins like lust and anger and greed? Are we allowing these sins to interfere with who we are supposed to be in the home? Are we being strong and loving? Are we being cold and harsh and weak? Are we leading our families in the faith? Or do we seem to have more important things to focus on? Because there are things that have grabbed our attention that have nothing to do with our faith. The big question for us men, for myself, is are we posed and ready, poised? Poised and ready as men standing in our faith. And I think the truth is, men, only you know the answer to that question, right? Only you know the answer to those questions. But there's a truth that is found statistically. In, in, in so many studies, they found that if, if, a, if a mom goes to church without the dad, only 8 out of 50 kids will regularly attend church. 
But if dad goes every Sunday, they have found that 25 to 30 out of 50 kids will continue into faith. There's a huge difference there, men, and it got me thinking, statistically speaking, we've talked about this recently, the church is suffering because most people are only going to church once a month. Most families come once a month, and it made me think, whose responsibility is it to get us here every Sunday morning? Should we look at our wives and ask them why we are not here? Maybe we have to look in the mirror, men. Whose responsibility is it to get us here every Sunday? It's ours. And, and I started thinking, man, I never want to be the kind of guy where my wife has to drag me out of bed and get me here on Sunday morning. I never want to be the kind of husband and father where my wife and kids wonder where the strength for the faith and our family comes from. It's my job. It's my responsibility. It's my home. Where are we, men? Where are we? Are we more busy fighting over politics and political beliefs? Fighting for money, security, vacation, retirement. What are we fighting for? And this brings us to our second point. As Christians, what are we called to stand for? Well, we're called to stand for those who do good in the church. We are also called to stand for those who do good in the church. Um, I'm going to read some Greek names. I'm going to ruin them. <laughs> this will really show my education. Um, bear with me. If anybody wants to correct me in the middle, I'm cool with that too. Verse 15, now I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanus and were the first converts in Achaia, and they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Be subject to, to such as these, and to every fellow worker and laborer, I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunus and Achaicus. Does that sound right? All right, because they have made up for your absence, for they refresh my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such people. The churches in Asia send you their greetings. Aquila and Priscilla, got those, together with the church and their house, send you a hearty greeting in the Lord. All the brothers send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. We're going to leave that one alone. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be what? First, strong language. Our Lord come, explanation mark. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you all in Jesus Christ. Amen. Guys, we finished First Corinthians. Whew. Sweating. All right. Sorry about the pronouncing of the names there. <laughs> I don't speak Greek well. Now, Paul says this, be subject to such as these and to every fellow worker and laborer. Now, um, this, don't think about this like a slave-master relationship. When he says be subject to these, it, it means recognize their position within your body. His next words say this, because they have made up for your absence. Many commentary writers believe that there were some needs in the church and no men were stepping up. So these men stepped in and filled the positions that were needed for the body. They stepped up when they were needed. This brings us back to our second point. Stand for those who do good or stand with those who do good in the church body. See, Paul, Paul knew this truth. He knew that like teaching and leading and, and loving and supporting and serving in the body was the most important thing a person can be called to. But I've been thinking about this for a long time, you guys. I've been a youth pastor for a few years now, and I ask high school kids all the time, what do you want to do when you grow up? What do you want to be? And I've had so many people tell me like they want to be, they want to be nurses and doctors and scientists and, and they want to do surgery and they want to heal people. But I was thinking, man, who is going to be behind me to preach the gospel? 
Who's taking this mic out of my hands? Surely there's somebody out there better than I at this that's younger and ready to go. And, and Paul knew this. Like some people save lives and other people work to save souls. Some people can bring a man back to life on the operation table, but others will bring a man to a new life. Some will help somebody live for 80 years, but some will help people live for eternity. And some will stand when others will fall, and it made me think, which person is doing the best work, the, the grandma in the Sunday school class or the doctor in the ER? Who's doing the most long-term good? Now I want to flush out verse 21. This one is a doozy. I don't know if you have it up on the screens, but verse 21 says this, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Our Lord, come. And this is harsh language. You guys should know. Um, I, as a pastor, I couldn't get away with saying this, okay? But Paul is an apostle. He gets, to, he gets to be a little bit more rough and coarse with people. And what is he saying? If you have no love for the Lord, let you be what? Damned. Let you be damned. Yikes. Paul, didn't you just say to do everything in love? That doesn't sound very loving, Paul. That's a little harsh, but you guys need to know maybe Paul was doing this in love. I absolutely believe he was doing this in love because he seems to be taking one more shot at the people in the church who are preaching a false gospel. He loved the congregation so much, he said, if you're still in the room, still preaching the false gospel, know that you are not of us. Get away from my flock. And this brings us to our big idea. It's time to go to war for your faith. It's time to go to war for your faith. And you might be thinking, wow, Zach, war is a really strong word. And yes, war is a very strong word. That's why I used it. You guys need to know in this entire book, Paul has been drawing the battle lines between true belief and false faith. He's been making a way of showing people what is true and what is not. He's been waging war against false belief. He wrote this in Ephesians 6, 11 through 12. I want us to hear it. Verse 11, but on the, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of a devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And I was thinking about this, guys. We don't talk about this a whole lot, but we are at war right now. Not in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense, we are at war with things unseen, not things of flesh and blood, but things that want to destroy us all the more. And you guys need to know this. There's an evil we face that wants to wreck our families. There's an evil we face that wants to destroy our marriage. There's an evil that we face that wants to take our kids away from the faith. There's an evil that has one job. It wants to make sure that you deny Jesus and what he did. And understand this, the evil does not care if you don't know you're engaged in the battle. The evil does not care who you are, what you've done, what you're doing, what your profession is, or how much your paycheck is. It wants to bring you down. And I have a question. In a world where everything seems to be for sale, who's going to stand their ground? Who's going to draw a line in the sand and say, this is where I will not back down. This is my battle. This is my family. This is my war. Look, you guys, the, according to the, an online survey, 7 out of 10 people claim to believe in Jesus Christ. 7 out of 10 of the Americans. I don't know about you guys, that's a big number. That's millions of people who believe in Jesus Christ, right? Well, then where are they? Where are they? And it makes me think if there was real persecution in the church, 
how many believers would we have left over? And we're starting to see it, you guys. For the first time in America, it's no longer cool to be a Christian. For the first time in America, we have real resistance to, to people holding on to biblical truths. For the first time, we have people saying that we cannot believe in what we believe in. They want us to back down. They want us to draw new battle lines. They want us to be something that we are not. And I had this idea, you guys, as us, as a youth pastor, I focus on our youth a lot. And as men and women, if we don't hold the lines, who's going to have to hold them? And the answer is the generation behind us. Worse yet, if we keep backing away from the lines of our faith, the next generation is going to have to fight their way back to the lines as to where they should be drawn. The war will become theirs. And I was thinking recently, I, I went fishing with my boys, um, Tyler and Sean. Now, we live in Camarillo, California, so there's no Truckee River. Did you guys know that? So um, there's no creeks or streams to fish in. So where did we go? We went to the waste treatment plant. Are you supposed to fish in that? I don't know. If it's illegal, I didn't say anything. Okay. And, and we're fishing in those ponds that are fed by the, the waste treatment plant, you know, the, the, the clean, poopy water. And, and Sean is, is fishing, and Sean hooks his lure on a stick, and it's right by the shoreline. And he does what he always does. He looks at me to free the lure, right? And, and I'm like, all right, I got it. And it's pretty close to the shoreline. It's just about three or four feet out. And I couldn't reach it, so I put all of my weight on this branch. Brilliant idea. And... The branch disintegrates underneath me. I mean, it's gone. And I am going face first into the poopy. Like, I see turds coming, you know. And, and, I, and I'm going at it. And all of a sudden, I just stop in midair. I'm just floating over this pond. And I'm like, Jesus? Right? And, and uh, I turn around. And I see my 16-year-old son. He, he had a hold of my camel pack. And he's literally holding me suspended over the lake. And he looks at me and says, don't worry, Dad, I got you. Right? And it was one of the most emasculating experiences of my life. I wish he would have let me fall in the poopy water, okay? But he pulls me up and he sets me on shore. And you guys, I realized something recently. Like, he's bigger than me. He's stronger than me. He's faster than me. When it comes to being ready for war, he is far more able than I am. In every physical sense, he is ready for war. But here's the thing. How is he spiritually prepared for the war that we face? Is he spiritually ready for the war that we are facing? You guys, I realize something. He will someday be a man and father and a, and a husband and and. And he's going to have to stand for his family. He's going to have to draw the lines in the ground and decide that he will not back down. My war will someday be his war, right? And I wondered, is he ready? Have I done the things as a husband that he needed, a husband and father that he needed to know? Have I, have I showed him where the war starts and, and who he is at war with? Have I, have I told him where to stand his ground? Have I, have I reminded him consistently that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is God, that he went to the cross, that he's been resurrected, that he's coming back? Have I told him that the war has already been won? Does he know where the battle is found and is he prepared? And that's the question I have for all of the young men and women and believers in this room. Are we ready for the battle? My hope for my sons, my hope for every man in this church is that they would be watchful. 
that they would stand firm in their faith, that they would act like young men and young women. I hope that they would be strong. I hope that they hold the lines that we failed to hold as believers. And I hope that they will do everything that they do in the love of Jesus Christ. Because it's our war. And it'll someday be theirs. My hope for all of my kiddos is that they're ready. My question to our church body is, are we helping them get prepared for what is coming? Are we standing together? Are we holding the line? Are we being firm in the faith? Will you guys pray with me? Dear God, Jesus, I thank you uh, that there is a war raging. But I thank you even more, Jesus, that you've already won that war. We are free. We are redeemed. We are whole. We have the armor of God on us at all times. We have the helper in the Holy Spirit. We have everlasting love that is present in every moment of our life. Jesus, I thank you that you found us worthy to be called your children. And Lord, I am so thankful this world may bring things our way, God, but we are strong enough to hold the lines. We are strong enough to fight the battle, Jesus, because you are with us. So in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. With that being said, I'd like to invite Jacob out. We're going to sing a solo. Are you guys ready? Not really. Could you imagine? You can take the main part, Zach. I got I, it. I don't sing well. Go tell it on. No, no I'm not going to do that. All right questions. I want to introduce Jacob Solace to you guys. Can I get a round of applause? This is Jacob. And if you guys don't know this young man, this is our new junior high pastor. He is um, filling in in that role, and I'm so excited to have you as a co-worker of Christ and, a, and just a fellow brother. Um, everything I found out about you, I just like more and more. I want you to know that, except for your hairline. It makes me angry. You can leave that one alone. <laughs> nothing personal we can like get that like surgically yeah, like if transplant, you want to it transplant to you? your hair to me amen brother let's do it um it's not even legal <laughs> we might be able to get it done in another country uh, i just want to ask you a couple questions just to just to have you be introduced to the congregation here and i want to start with this tell us a little bit about yourself like what are your hobbies jacob and what are you into so um i'm just like all about like trying new foods like um i'm a ventura county native so i probably tried like every restaurant in ventura county um twice um, so I, I love doing that. Um, also, man, when it comes to like anything fiction, anything nerdy, whether it's like fantasy novels, sci-fi, anime, like comic books, I'm into all of that. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> so it's okay. It's okay for us to be different. Zach. Yeah, no, no, we, we we're more well-rounded that way. You can play Pokemon Go or whatever you're into. Um, I'm a bad guy. All right, second question: If you had to eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? That's an easy, that's an easy answer, Zach. Um, I would probably eat pizza for the rest of my life. So pizza has like all the major food groups. Like the tomato counts as fruit. Uh, you got dairy with the cheese. You got your protein. You, got, you can put veggies on it. You got your carbs. It's all you need. Uh, yeah. We're not on the same page. I haven't had a carb since 1995. Hey, Zach, that's the year I was born. So that's like. So, <laughs> oh, boy, that hurts. Um, I was born in 96. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> there was an eight in front of there somewhere. All right. 
Uh, I love that. So if you had a, like just an open budget, like no concern about finances, which there is a concern about finances. Kenny's our boss. Okay. Um, if you had an open budget, you could do anything with your money. Uh, what would you do for a youth service? So if I had an open budget, we would build a water park here at CAMCC. I would have a giant slide that goes into a baptismal, and we would have Francis Chan preach for our youth service. Yeah. It would be so sick. We You're not invited, Zach. We got it. Francis is way better than me. Well, I love his hair, though. It's great. Um, so just last question, and this is like a legit question. What is your heart behind youth ministry? Like, why did you want this job, and like, why do you want to be here? Yeah, my, my heart with youth ministry is that we would create a space here at Camarillo Community Church for middle schoolers to come and to feel safe, to have fun, to find community, but most importantly, that they would find Jesus here, that they would find life-altering faith, that they would come to know this God who forever changed their lives, and um, I hope that we, can, that we can do that here. That's what we're all about, right, church? I love it. I love your heart, man. I'm so excited. Um, like, I'm literally geeking out about having Jacob here to back me up, you guys. Um, and, and I know your kids will be excited once they get to see his heart and see his faith and just see his love, you guys. So can I get one more round of applause for Jacob, please? So excited. And, and would you guys mind if I just pray for Jacob really quick? Actually, if you guys wouldn't mind, like, stretching your arm out in prayer, too. Let's just um, welcome him to our family. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much. For Jacob, thank you for his heart. Thank you for his faith. Thank you for his love for the kids in Oxnard and Camarillo, Ventura. Thank you, God, that we get to preach together, that we get to lead together. Thank you so much for the brother that he's already been and the friendship that I'm sure will be brewing amongst us and every member of this church. Welcome to the family, Jacob. Jesus, let him know that he's loved. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. there has been an alarming rise in the rate of young people drawn into human trafficking. Sex trafficking takes many forms, but today, in our city, women and children stand on the street with a line of cars resembling a drive-through, waiting to purchase them for sex. I'm not talking about a third world country or a developing nation. This is in America, and this is in our city. The month of May, we are partnering with Zoe, a nonprofit organization that fights against human trafficking. This is from you guys and your donations. I'm going to give this over to uh, Josh from Oxnard Mazda. When the guys brought this to our attention, we definitely jumped on board with this. And it's you guys that made this happen. And we're so fortunate to be able to give these keys to Zoe. Be able to provide all the support you guys need to continue to help those girls. Our girls are going to be able to travel safely to various places. And I just wanted to share one more thing. Zoe in the Greek means life abundantly. That's exactly what we want to give back to these girls is life abundantly. When Jesus said in John 10, 10, I bring life and I bring life abundantly, that's actually Zoe. So thank you so much for your part. We really appreciate you. Thank you. Wow, what an awesome recap for such an amazing project. Um, I'm so amazed by all the work you guys did for the Zoe initiative. Uh, today we're going to go into our favorite part of the service and we're going to go into offering. Um, if you can look here to the screen, you'll be able to see uh, three different ways you can give. Um, 
We understand here at Camarillo Community Church that the call to give is more than just funding this building, but ra- but it's also um, it's also our worship. Um, and so we we're, we're thankful to be a part of of um, uh, of that ministry here, the ministry of of giving to the Lord's Church. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and pray right now for the offering. Lord, we thank you so much for this opportunity to give. We realize that uh, we're offering you not something of our own, Lord God, but we're giving you what's already yours. We pray that you would bless these offerings, God, that would that you would use it for the advancement of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, KMCC. I'm Megan Terryberry, and I'm a part of our worship ministry here at church. If you are a first, second, or third-time guest, we have some gifts for you to thank you for hanging out with us. We would love to put a face to the name, So please walk over to the welcome counter in the lobby with a connection card. Or if you're online, please go to camcc.net slash next steps. Check out what's coming up at CamCC, August 5th through 8th, middle school summer camp. Enjoy kayaking, snorkeling, swimming, volleyball, basketball, and giant group games on Catalina Island. This will be an amazing experience for you and your friends. There are limited spots available, so go to camcc.net slash Catalina to sign up today. Important dates coming up, so make sure to save the date and also check out upcoming events at camcc.net. August 30th, KMCC Blood Drive. September 4th, Growth Group Signups. October 21st through 23rd, Men's Retreat. Stay in the loop of what's going on at KMCC, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more information on any of these events, go to KMCC.net. Hello everyone, will you please stand with me for the send-off? I want to give a huge thank you to Pastor Zach for the message. I think it was a great reminder that we need to bring people to Christ. We have a perfect opportunity for that next week. Pastor Dave starts our new service Welcome, Des, because we want to get to know you and we have a gift for you. Thank you for joining us today. If you are here in 